milestone episode here at Gospel Treasury. Not only for a round number 10, but because we will read the first words on record spoken by Jesus. We will comment on that in the second half of the episode, but first, let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23, the flight into Egypt and the return. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Matthew writes that an angel appeared to Joseph after the visit of the, of the wise man, omitting what we discussed in the previous episode. This is largely because the theme here is prioritized over the chronology in the events of the Gospels. Verses 14 and 15. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. The escape to Egypt was divinely coordinated and was done under the cover of darkness. Egypt had a prominent Jewish community. The gifts from the wise men were probably used to cover the expenses, given that we read nothing else about those gifts. Words, out of Egypt I called my son, were originally referred to the nation of Israel in the book of Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. Matthew expands the topic to include Jesus, even if the original author did not have that in mind. We often see this type of perception throughout the scriptures. Theologians use a Latin term for such connections. They call it sensus planier, meaning a fuller sense. Another good example of such sensus planier is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-4, through four, where Paul the Apostle connects Jesus to the events in the book of Exodus. Going back to our main text, verses 16-18. through 18. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years older and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then, what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. The NIV, outwitted, according to the Greek, is more accurately rendered in King James Version as mocked. In ancient times, any form of disrespect was frequently used as mockery. In Genesis 39.14, the wife of Joseph's master accused Joseph of mocking her, even though all he did was turn down her inappropriate advances. Book of Numbers 22.29, in an overly bizarre incident, Baal beat his donkey with a staff for what he viewed as making a fool out of him. And so Herod, feeling mocked, decided to take it out on the newborns of Bethlehem. 
The slaughter of infants was unfortunately a common display of Herod's tyranny, which, as previously mentioned, included murders of his own family members. This gruesome event seems to be completely unnoticed in documented history, but it is mostly because infanticide was not uncommon in the ancient Greece and Rome. It was executed often as a, mean of, as a mean to control the population, which was done to avoid resource shortages. Various Orthodox traditions number the killings of Herod in tens of thousands, but given the small population of, of the Bethlehem area, the number of murdered baby boys was more likely between 20 to 50 newborns. Matthew again makes an Old Testament connection here, this time with the words from Jeremiah 31.15. Ramah is located a few miles north of Jerusalem. This location was historically used 600 years prior by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, where he ordered Jews to be assembled to be led away to Babylon. Jeremiah 40 verse 1. Verses 19 and 20. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Joseph's family did not stay in Egypt for very long, perhaps less than a year. Herod died not long after his murderous command. Based on Josephus' writings, uh, Herod died from what sounds like a really bad case of digestive infection. Verses 21 through 23. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Joseph intended to settle in Judea in order to acclimate Jesus closer to the more religiously minded area, but was discouraged and divinely warned against it because of yet another oppressive leader, Archelaus a ruler from 4 BC to 6 AD. Archelaus was not much better than his father. Historically, he is noted as the worst of the three surviving sons. Roman officials ended up deposing him due to his notice, notable cruelty, and as a result, Judea became a Roman province administrated by Roman-appointed governors only hence the appearance of Pontius Pilate later. The family then moved back up north to the region of Galilee, a town of Nazareth. It was a working-class town located outside of Sepphoris. Although not recorded in the Bible, Sepphoris was a major city, which for a while served as a royal capital for Herod Antipas, another son of Herod the Great, with whom the Romans were okay-ish, allowing him to rule over the region of Galilee. As far as Christ's title of Nazarene, 
not to be confused with Nazarite. They are two different things. It is not mentioned anywhere in the Old, in the Old Testament. A Nazarene is a title that may carry an idea of an insignificant beginning. Isaiah 11.1 1 is the nearest passage that helps to convey this notion. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Now, Jesse was the father of King David. And the Hebrew word for branch here is nazar. So, sounds like a Nazarene. Next, the Gospels collectively skip the childhood years of Jesus, with one notable exception in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Let's read 41 and 42. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Now, English word for the Jewish holiday Passover is a literal translation from the Hebrew pakach, which means to pass over or to spare, signifying God passing over the homes of the Israelites during the final plague in the death of the Egyptian firstborns, which we find in the book of Exodus. The next seven days after the Passover follow the days of the unleavened bread. The days of the unleavened bread were a reminder of the time when God instructed the Hebrews not to allow their bread to rise, but to leave Egypt in a hurry. We can see that in Exodus chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 16. Paul the Apostle makes a spiritual connection to this feast for the New Testament believers. 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Verses 43 through 47 in our main text. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Given the importance of a national holiday, people from the same cities formed traveling caravans. On their way back, Mary and Joseph could not find Jesus in their company after a full day of travel. They required another day to go back to Jerusalem. Then, on a third day, a bit of foreshadowing, perhaps? On third day, Jesus was found in the temple. Was it normal for children to be present in a temple setting? The Hebrew teachers and priests were trained from an early age. Brings to mind a young Samuel from the Old Testament. The important distinction of who was welcome in the teaching halls 
was the ability to read. Literacy rate in those days was between 10 to 15%, and that's being generous. In the Hebrew setting, most of the reading material consisted of sacred writings. This means the educated children were heavily involved with God's law. Their presence was also valued for their inquisitive mindset. Questions and discussions were welcomed and helped shape, helped to shape both the teachers and the disciples. One of the Hebrew teachers said that I have learned much from the rabbis, my teachers. I have learned much from my colleagues, but from my scholars, I have learned most of all. Verses 48 through 49. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Joseph and Mary did not hide their frustration with the situation. In such setting, For the first time, we read about Jesus consciously proclaiming about the purpose of his existence, to carry out the will of his Father. King James Version reads, I must be about my Father's business. Some may view the response of Jesus as inconsiderate to the sensibilities of Joseph and Mary, especially being only 12 years old. That's mostly because of a grammatical misinterpretation. Jesus did not respond in a sense that we might imagine, like, excuse me, I've got more important things to do. No. He was saying, you did not have to look for me so anxiously. You should have known that I was in a temple. Joseph and Mary underestimated Jesus. They worried and looked for Jesus who knows where. The temple did not appear to be on the top of their radar. And now verses 50 through 52. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus was obedient to Joseph and Mary. Despite the lack of realization on their part, Jesus was committed to his role as their legal son. And despite the misunderstanding, his mother did treasure all these things in her heart. Mary Mary was in the original state of mind that she was at the time Jesus was born, which we read in Luke chapter 2 verse 19. Verse 52 points to the overall development of Jesus. He grew mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. There is no way to know the extent of his development due to his divinity. For instance, did Jesus have to learn how to read or did he just know it? Any conclusion on our part would be a speculation and we are better off avoiding it. In any case, Joseph and Mary treated Jesus like a child, and he did not resist them. A humble beginning of a humble character. 
Next episode, John the Baptist prepares the way for the ministry of Jesus. Until next time, farewell 